Hey everybody, this is No Autocorrect Podcast. I'm Peter Ostapovich, and this episode is a really fun episode for me. I interviewed Tom Licks from Cleveland Whiskey, and he's the CEO and founder. Started it in his basement and has grown it to a very successful company, in my opinion. Uh, they have a really good product, and they're gaining a lot of distribution in the United States. And they keep making new flavors, and um, I can't wait to try them all. Honestly, uh, they're doing a lot of cool stuff at the company. They have a different way that they make their whiskey, um, which has upset some people, and a lot of people find it very interesting at the same time. So um, it really just depends on how much of a traditional whiskey lover you are. Um, but, you know, Tom was gracious enough to give me his time to interview him and talk to him about what he's doing and how he kind of got to where he is, um, at the company. And it was just, it was a really fun time talking with him and I learned a lot of different things. So as a fan of whiskey, um, you know, he talks about how you can taste, how you, how you should go about tasting different whiskeys, which is something I never really, you know, cared to learn about, but is always something that. I should probably know how to to really understand what I'm doing when I'm tasting a new whiskey and to try to understand the flavor profiles a little bit. Um, but either way, it was really cool to talk to him. Go over to clevelandwhiskey.com to find out everything you can about the company. They also have a really cool product called Smoker Bricks, which is basically um, bourbon-soaked wood blocks that you can use to grill, and it adds a nice flavored smoke to um whatever you're grilling so uh hopefully you learned something in this episode about whiskey and go ahead and try it and don't forget to go to noautocorrect.com to follow along with the podcast companion and make sure to follow us on social media like and subscribe on your podcast app um you know i'd appreciate anything you can do to support i appreciate you even listening to this so um, thank you, everybody, and enjoy the episode. All right. Well, thank you for meeting with me. We are live and recording. That's my doing pleasure. Doing fun stuff. Um, so I wanted to just kind of talk to you about your background, uh, how you decided to start doing Cleveland whiskey, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I mean, was it just? something you've always been interested in because mm -hmm. i think i read somewhere your background isn't necessarily always in like the beverage industry right right true so where where did you get your start and what kind of what led up to starting cleveland whiskey um so i'm actually going to go way back because i think it, it starts you know it, it's partly more about entrepreneurship than anything else and i remember when i was uh five years old. I was in kindergarten and I remember we had half days so I came home early and I remember that afternoon I'm sitting on the front porch and this guy walks up to a neighbor's house. He's got like a uniform on, he's got a little cap, he's got a little backpack. He knocks on the door and when it was Mrs. Myers, I still remember her name because she would bake cookies for the kids in the neighborhood and uh, uh, she came to the door and he said Western Union and he handed her an envelope. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm watching all this. I'm listening to the whole thing. And then she comes back and uh, she gives him some money. So I thought that was pretty cool. I saw that, you know, because I, I knew that my dad had a bunch of envelopes in a desk drawer. I was supposed to be touching them, but I knew where they were. I had a little backpack. I had a little cap. So I got dressed up, filled up my knapsack full of envelopes, and I started going around to all the neighbors' houses. And I would knock on the door, and when they got there, I would say, Western Union. Now, I didn't know there was supposed to be anything in the envelope. I didn't know that. I just had seen the Western Union yeah. given the envelope, and then I would hold out my hands. Now, I was a cute little kid at five, as all kids are. Things have obviously changed, but... Um, uh, I would, I would say, Western Union, give them the envelope, and they would all give me money. I mean, even today, I think, you know, I was on to my first global enterprise. Uh, but at the time, and this was, you know, a number of decades ago, but uh, at the time, I was allowed to go around the block in the neighborhood we lived, uh, but I wasn't allowed to cross the street. So uh, that limited my territory, but that was sort of my first. Yeah. Uh, my parents actually would tell me that I had other entrepreneurial things that I did before that, but I was always, I'm always been interested in starting businesses, running businesses, yeah. whatever. Um, Skipping way forward to when I started Cleveland Whiskey, it was really, I read this article 
about uh, the growing middle class in, uh, in China. And they were talking about the types of things they bought, and they mentioned that they used this term uh, that people, as they entered the middle class for the first time, they would look for affordable luxuries, purchase affordable luxuries. Well, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, it's not just affordable luxuries, it's conspicuous affordable luxuries. Things that they can share with their friends that they can show off a little bit. So I did some more research. It turns out that one of the things that growing middle class was buying uh, were imported scotch and imported bourbon. And I said, well, that's really interesting because I know that's an industry that hasn't changed in generations. Uh, in fact, I think that that's a good thing, and which means, and it also takes a really long time to make a whiskey because you distill it and then you put it in a barrel and you wait patiently uh, for years. And I thought there's a real opportunity there. Uh, I've also been, um, you know, all my life I've been a sort of an amateur chemist. I don't have an attention span to be a real chemist. I yeah. wish I did, and I would be a chemist in a heartbeat, yeah. but I, but I don't. But so I started experimenting in my basement, thinking that technology could somehow change that process, whether it made a product better, whether it made it faster, whether whatever it would do. And I probably blew up, uh, you know, well over a thousand mason jars in my basement. And uh, my wife was thrilled when I finally moved it from my basement <laughs> into. Um, uh, into a real laboratory because she was convinced that at some point the neighbors were going to complain because yeah. also every weekend I would fill up the back of my pickup truck with ice from the local speedway yeah. and uh, you know so she said the neighbors are watching you down you know bring all this ice into the house they're hearing these little tiny explosions from these yeah. jars that you're you're, uh, you're exploding police that's what she door. thought yeah that, that they're <laughs> they're going to report us as having a meth lab in the basement or For something sure. so yeah. so uh, when we moved into a real lab she was thrilled but that's uh I'm, I'm going all over the place with this but yeah, it, yeah. but it really is it's a lot of things coming together i saw mm -hmm. an opportunity uh and and the opportunity is definitely there uh, i've always been interested in entrepreneurship i've started a couple of other businesses um you know including a software business i had in boston and yeah. i just thought that this would be something interested i've always you know i've been interested in something tangible and it's like what better job could I possibly have than making whiskey? Coming oh, into sure. work every day in the morning is like a joy. On a yeah. weekend, I'm I get antsy, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah. So it's that's sort of that's some of the cool. ways it got started. So, um, did you enjoy whiskey at all before you started this? Then was that like your drink of choice? Well, it, you know, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of people would say, "Well, yes, I I enjoy this," and here's and but I, I'm not a snob about sure. whiskeys. I I think people should drink them the way they want to. I, I feel mean, the same way. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, a lot of people in in the business will you know they cringe when somebody says, "Oh, I mix it with Coke." I think if that's if that's the way you want to drink it, then that's fine with me. Yeah. I think that if I drink a whiskey, I drink it neat or I put a little sliver of ice in it but um, but I, I enjoy it but I I mean we don't make vodkas but I enjoy some good vodkas depending on what sure. I'm eating or cognacs or brandies or or any of those things um, but I, I enjoy them but that isn't what drove this yeah. it really I saw uh, I saw an opportunity mm. to bring technology into a space that had rejected technology in many ways Definitely. and i thought it could uh, uh make a difference and and because i'm an amateur chemist not a real one in terms of the experiments that we did uh and it just sort of i i think i just sort of accidentally came up with some of the basic and core technology that drives what we have today and it was because a real chemist never would have followed those paths <laughs> i inadvertently did some things that probably don't, you know, on the surface of them don't make any sense, but actually prove to be critical pieces of what we do. Yeah, so from what I've seen, your your technology is pretty much, you don't have to age your whiskey, that, or you don't have well, to age it for an extended period of time like normal whiskeys. Yeah, so I'm gonna to object to the normal sure. portion, but, but uh, so we do, we still go through a maturation process. It mm -hmm. just doesn't take us the time because we don't, rely on sort of environmental effects or things like that. And in many ways, we're doing the same thing mm -hmm. that occurs in a barrel. You get 
60 to 80 percent of the flavor of a whiskey out of from the wood the wood that is in a barrel yeah. you get 100 percent of the color but 60 to 80 percent of the flavor so that's really where we concentrated on well what's going on in a barrel what are the chemical reactions mm -hmm. what's the process and you know think about you put a raw distillate into a barrel it's an oak barrel mm -hmm. and it's an oak barrel because oak holds liquid not because okay. somebody was prescient enough to say, gee, if we put this stuff in oak barrels, it will make it taste better. Mm. Oak barrels were designed as storage containers and transportation containers. They've got a bulge in the middle so you could roll them down a dirt road or up onto a ramp onto a ship. And it was probably an accidental discovery that mm. somebody left something in a barrel for an extended period of time. And when they tasted it, they said, gee, this is better than normal. Yeah. And they realized that keeping it in a barrel for a long period of time was good. And every day you think about it, you've got temperature changes, you know, high temperature, low temperature. Uh, that causes slight changes inside the barrel in terms of the pore structure and the pressures and everything else. It's moving the alcohol in and out of the pore structure of the wood, and then it's capturing some flavors. It's, it's, yeah. it's absorbing some of the off flavors into the wood, and the wood is actually giving back to the spirits some of the flavors that we've grown accustomed to. Mm. Now... So what we do is we use pressure variations. We essentially uh, put those uh, relatively young spirits into a pressure-capable stainless steel tank. We fluctuate pressure, high pressure into low pressure, high pressure, low pressure in a highly oxygenated environment, essentially mimicking what's going on in a barrel but doing it much more aggressively. Mm. One advantage from a production point of view is we don't have to sit patiently yeah. In, in waiting for something to occur in a barrel where you have evaporation every year and also we can use other woods yeah. so i wouldn't make a barrel out of black cherry wood because it would leak like a sieve <laughs> but black cherry wood is a, has some great flavors in it i yeah. can use black cherry now to finish bourbons and rye and other things we're doing and nobody else does that yeah. and it's because of the technology and i think you know, it, it, we've been uh, we've been criticized by sort of the mainstream industry players in there that says, "Hey, what we're, what you guys do is sacrilege." You know, yeah. it's really it's it's your your heretics. And but but there's some things we can do, which I see as a natural process. But we're just using technology to enable us to, for instance, use these other woods. Yeah, and if anything, I mean, you've seen it with like the taxi drivers and uber right they're using technology to change an industry exactly Do you feel like you're doing something along those very lines much then? so yeah, yeah very much so Was yeah i think of i in fact it's interesting you brought up uber yeah. uh, i think there's a, a one of the phrases we use in our business plan was the whole idea is we're trying to be as uber is to taxis we are to traditional mm. distillers awesome I mean, that, that makes complete sense. And was this technology change the opportunity you saw when you um, were doing your research on, like, people in China? Well, no, that, it was the... Uh, uh, the wait time? No, or? yeah, it was, it was really the whole idea that there was going to be this change in demand. There could be a tsunami of market demand out of China, out of Africa, out of South America. And when I was doing this, we here in this country and also in Europe, we hadn't moved back into brown spirits yet. So even before that, I'm thinking, oh, my God, there could be this change in demand that the traditional distillers won't be ready for. Because 10 years earlier, excuse me, 10 years earlier, they put aside enough whiskey in barrels thinking, okay, here's how much people are going to buy 10 years from now in that year. Yeah. And if they didn't do that and they, they hadn't, uh, then there's going to be an opportunity and an opportunity to put product on shelves. So there will be some space there for us. And then the second part was, okay, can, can, can we as a company come up with some technology that can change that? And we did. Yeah. So the tech, as far as taste goes with your whiskey, do you feel like it varies very differently than um, – I guess, a traditionally aged whiskey or bourbon? So it depends on what we're making. So okay. we have uh, our Black Reserve, which is we've been making now for a little over five years. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that we have, uh, the interesting thing about the technologies, just as a little aside, is that 
because we can experiment, because we can make changes and do it so rapidly, mm -hmm. what we make today is better than what we made six months ago. That mm -hmm. is better than what we made a year before that and a year before that. So we're constantly trying to improve what we were doing. But in those five years, we've done 3,600 blind taste tests of our Black Reserve against Knob Creek. Knob Creek is a great small batch brand. I'll drink it, I like sure. it. Uh, you know, it's an affordable, you know, premium price, but still affordable. Uh, it's 100 proof and our Black Reserve is also 100 proof. So you yeah. can do a fair blind taste test. In over 3,600 blind taste tests, we've won 54% of the time. That doesn't make us the grand winner, but what it says is that, you know what? We've got a good competitive brand yeah. uh, that's pretty much as good as Knob Creek. Knob Creek takes nine years to make. Mm. Ours is a fraction of that. But that's only the start of what we do because yeah. what we're doing now is working with these other woods. We just released a, a rye whiskey. It's our first rye whiskey. But instead of doing something that tasted like everybody else's rye whiskey, mm -hmm we said let's finish it with some other woods and black cherry is the one we chose for this one uh, so it's a bourbon i'm sorry it's a rye whiskey it's technically a rye whiskey mm -hmm. that we then finished with black cherry wood and it is totally different than any other rye whiskey out there yeah. i'm not saying it's you know not everybody will like it but based on the testing and the pre-release and everything else it's it's really I'm biased, but oh, yeah. it's really good. I'm excited And there to is try no yeah. such other product out there. There are people that are using, like, sherry barrels. You hear about that a lot. Mm -hmm. So, okay, it's finished in a port barrel. It's finished in a sherry barrel. That's fine, but it's still oak. Mm -hmm. And, yes, you get a little of the flavor of the sherry or a little bit of that port, and people will argue about whether, well, couldn't you just add a little bit of sherry to what <laughs> you're making? Yeah. I mean... I, so I'm trying to do something that just can't be done by um, adding a little bit of flavoring here mm. or there. It just doesn't. I, I think we can do things that are that are still natural. I mean, all of the by using these other woods, I can make products that without any added sugar, without any added flavor, with all natural flavors coming from the wood, I can get some unique and interesting flavors using woods like black cherry or sugar maple or apple or hickory, mm -hmm. and they're all different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you're seeing that a lot now where you're finishing beer and whiskey barrels or right. whiskey and beer barrels. Yeah. I mean, Jameson, which is honestly one of my go-to whiskeys because mm -hmm. I'm not a whiskey snob at all <laughs> either. Um, but uh, they, they've they started to finish their whiskeys in like stout barrels and yeah. they're doing one with IPA barrels. And, and, it and almost we've, been, we've been doing the same thing with it almost local seems like breweries. Marketing, yeah. though, that's what it, yeah. it you know. Well, like, I, I'll actually, I'll, I'll, I'll give them credit. Sure. Uh, we've been doing uh, something with a couple of the local breweries mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's turned out some really interesting flavors. So we mm -hmm. will loan our used bourbon barrels uh, to them, they'll then do some beers, and we've done some stouts and IPAs and everything else. And uh, we did a coconut porter recently, which mm. I thought was phenomenal. Uh, so, so they'll they'll create a beer in our in our bourbon barrels. We'll take some of those barrels back. We'll put some of our finished whiskeys in there, but then let them sit for 90, 120 days in this beer barrel now, yeah. uh, and it'll pick up some interesting. Uh, interesting flavors really add complexity to it. I, I like them a lot. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, how much does it add to it, though? I mean, just I'm, I'm just curious because yeah, I don't it know really, anything it, about I think it. it. I think it adds um, some new flavors that you wouldn't have gotten. So I mm -hmm. think it does add multiple dimensions to it. I think, yes, you're right. Yeah. It is a little bit of marketing. But I think if you do it right, you can actually have a, a nice flavor addition yeah. to it. It's like adding additional chords to a musical composition. Mm. It gives you something more. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I guess so, like, when people go to taste a whiskey, mm -hmm. like, I mean, I, I have a very, very hard time telling, like, drastic differences right. between, right. like, um, I guess let's just go with like middle shelf or mm -hmm. whiskeys, sure, right? Sure. So like I, I can't tell that there's like this specific flavor ingredient right, in there right. or this specific one. So like, do you know how people go about tasting that stuff? So, or? so I, I, <laughs> it's, I know you I said sometimes, you're not a I must admit, sometimes either. I laugh yeah. when I read some of the descriptions of whiskeys done by the professionals okay. where they will talk about 
um, saddle leather and tobacco notes and all these other things. And I think, why would you want, and these are award-winning whiskeys, and they're describing what they taste like. I said, how do you even know what these things taste like, and why would you even want chewing tobacco? Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, so so here's a a great case in point. we had, so the same Black Reserve that we've done all these blind tastings against, has won a series of gold medals. It's done really well, competes mm-hmm. really well against Knob Creek. Uh, and, um, but we had this reviewer who uh, reviewed the product, and it was a three-paragraph review. It was like the first paragraph, he ranted and raved about the immorality of using science and technology to try to create new whiskeys or different whiskeys. It was, it was about morality and ethics and everything else. And he was, it was with a fervor that he presented that case. Second paragraph, he said, but it doesn't matter because you, you simply will never, with science and technology, achieve what has been achieved through this process that has been developed through the ages. And then the third paragraph started with, but I'm still going to give it a fair and impartial review, which I didn't believe by that point. Yeah. Uh, and he went on, but in summary, uh, excuse my language, but in summary, he said he thought our product tasted like sheep piss. Sheep piss. Now, I posted that immediately on Facebook. The first response was, how the hell would he know what sheep piss tastes like? Oh, yeah. And then, you know, the other responses were, if that's what he's been drinking, then he obviously shouldn't be judging, the, you know, whiskeys or any sort of beverage whatsoever. So, um, I'm a little skeptical about what people say and how they describe them. Yeah. But back to sort of how do you taste whiskeys? Mm-hmm. You know, the unfortunate thing is a lot of us learned how to drink whiskey by watching the old cowboy westerns, right? <laughs> cowboy bellies up to the bar, gets the shot, shoots it back as quick as he possibly can. But there was a reason for that. The whiskey back then, I'm sure it would have sucked. Yeah. It would have been awful. Um, Today, you should take your time with it. You should look at the color. You should, you know, breathe in the aroma. You should take a, take a tiny little sip first and just let, wake your mouth up to the flavor. Okay. Uh, and then take a little larger sip. And again, get your upper, lower palate involved. Savor the whole thing. And then if you're going to, uh, if you're going to, I, I don't throw an ice cube into it right away. Throw in a little chip of ice. It'll change the aroma. It'll change the flavor. Then try it again. Throw in another chip of ice. It'll change the aroma again. It'll, you know, people talk about it, wakes it up. And I'm not sure. It may make it better. It may make it worse. But you're going to sort of experience this whole, um, you know, sort of cascade of flavors with one drink of whiskey. My wife says as well, Tom, you just don't want to buy a lot of them. So you feel like you're getting eight drinks by yeah. using chips. But I think if you throw in too much ice at once, it changes the whole dynamic of it. Mm. Uh, and then when you're used to it, when you actually know what this whiskey tastes like, then decide what you're going to mix with it. What kind of drink is this going to be suitable for? Yeah. You know, do you mix it with a ginger beer? Does it? Do you want it to go into a Coke? That's up to you. But you can make then an informed personal decision that says, okay, there's yeah. elements of this I like. It doesn't mean you have to be able to describe it at all. Yeah. And you're certainly not going to have the vocabulary, <laughs> neither do I, that these professional tasters have. But you'll know what you like and what you don't like. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I, if I can get the big ice cube, that's what I put into my whiskey. <laughs> I, I, I drink mine on the rocks or with the big cube. Yeah. Um, but you should but try it first before you put in ice. I, I always yeah, do. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I yeah. think because I, I, I'm yeah. aware that I yeah. should. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I does. I mean, you're just you don't water it yeah. down. First right. of all, right. that's like the number one thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, water it down too much. It's not mm-hmm. that a little bit of water can't be helpful. Sure. It may bring it more to your palate. Maybe you know. It's also because. There's recommendations, there's all this other stuff, but we all have different palates. We mm-hmm. all taste things differently. Sure. It's sort of like, um, I use the example with asparagus. A lot of people really like asparagus. Mm-hmm. I can't stand asparagus. Yeah. I don't understand why anybody would ever eat asparagus. And, and people have come back to me, well, you should try it cooked this way. You can bake it. You can 
fry it. You can try the white asparagus, all this other stuff. And it says, no, I don't like asparagus. But we grew up differently. We had different foods. Mm -hmm. And we'll, the same thing will be with whiskeys. Yeah. One whiskey might be something that, gee, everybody's raving about and thinks it's wonderful. You could taste it and say, gee, that's not for me. Or most people don't even like whiskey. They don't like the way it burns. They don't like the taste of it. They don't even want to touch it. Well, you but know? part of that is also a lot of people think they've got to drink it a lot. That's why, that's why I think it's important, if you're trying a whiskey, just take a little tiny bit first. Yeah. Because your mouth has to get used to it. And then take a little bit more. It's, yeah. it's also one of the reasons that I really do like the fact that we can use all these different woods. Yeah. So a bourbon that we finish with hickory is very different than a bourbon that we finish with applewood. So I'm, my hope is that, okay, if, if you are trying a couple of different kinds of our whiskeys, you're going to find one that you really like because it's different and yeah. it fits your palate. Yeah, that underground line that you have with all the different yeah. woods, it, they look very, very interesting. And I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen them around that much just yeah. because I haven't been shopping for whiskey in a yeah. while. But um, they all, I want to try all of them, honestly. And, you, sh and you should over <laughs> I will, time. I will. Uh, because you might find one in there that says, yeah. wow. That's different. That's interesting. I really like that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I hope that, gee, then you'll share it with friends and then they'll sure. try it and, and whatever. Yeah, I mean, the ones I've had, I've had the 87 mm -hmm. and I think I've had the Christmas one. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two I've had. And, yeah. you know, the rest are on my list. Yeah. Uh, but Well, you've got a long list. I got a, I got yeah. a big list. I mean, I got so many whiskeys that I want to try and everything. Um, just I'm going to look like an alcoholic with the bar that I want. You know what I mean? No, you're not uh, going to look like an alcoholic. You're going to look like somebody who has a has a social. You're ready for these social oh, experiences. Yeah. You just sure. need to invite people over and share these whiskeys. Whiskey, yeah, because that's the other thing. Whiskey should you should drink whiskey with friends. I, yeah. I think you should drink in general with friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always more fun, right? Yeah, for sure. But um, so kind of going back to the taste. What made me want to get into being able to drink whiskey, like mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. switching from beer pretty mm -hmm. much, right? Um, I Well, I think of beer as adolescent whiskey. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I half-jokingly say that, but you, you essentially in the process, you make a beer first, mm. and then you distill it to make a whiskey. Oh, interesting. I mean, it's not a... It's not the same kind of beer that you would make, you know, to drink at a pub yeah. or whatever. But it's still you're 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 fermenting grains, mm -hmm. and you're getting sort of that low concentration of alcohol. And normally you would use different grains, like a bourbon is primarily corn. Mm -hmm. So you you don't have corn beers out there, but you're making it in the same way. You're making essentially a beer, yeah. and then you're distilling that to get to that distillate that then goes into a barrel, typically to ultimately become a whiskey. Yeah, so I'll get back to my story in a second because I'm yeah. curious. So, like, if, if you're basically brewing a beer first mm -hmm. um, or distilling a beer first. Fermenting a beer. Ferment, fermenting yeah. a beer. What then knocks it up like a notch of alcohol content or that's the flavor profile? Is that yeah, the that's the distillation process. process. Okay. Essentially, you're concentrating the alcohols. Mm. So let's say you start with something that is 10% alcohol and 90% water and the grains and everything else. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is leave all that or a lot of that water behind and concentrate the alcohol. That's what distillation does. And mm -hmm. that's all you're really doing. The good news is that alcohol boils at a lower temperature than water. So if you bring heat up relatively slowly, you can start boiling off the alcohol mm -hmm. and keep that where you leave the water behind. It's not nearly that simple in practice but sure. that's the basics of it okay yeah yeah but so when i was deciding to drink whiskey i think mad men heavily influenced me. yeah i'm not yeah. gonna lie i think there's so, a generation of people really oh, yeah. that moved them to whiskey because of mad men yes it has to be yeah. but uh so I bought Canadian Club because mm -hmm. that's what it looks like they're drinking yeah, in yeah. the show. I'm sorry about that. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was my, I was like, yeah. I'm going to drink this bottle yeah, right. only like by itself. Like, yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to mix it with anything. Mm -hmm. It was the right, first one right, I bought. Right. And it wasn't great, but it did get me used to tasting mm -hmm. whiskey. Yeah. And ever since then, I started, you know, just trying other ones. But sure. that first bottle, I remember, wasn't, it mm -hmm. wasn't as great as it seemed. Yeah. But yeah. And all my but you were getting, yeah. but you were getting used to it. You were getting, you know, it was an acquired taste. Definitely. I mean, rarely do people start 
with a premium whiskey because right. it's saying, well, I'm just going to try this for the first time. I don't want to spend a whole lot of money. But that's sort of unfortunate because that means your first experience with it isn't as isn't good as good. it could have been. <laughs> yeah, trust me. I, I agree. I mean, I wasn't like getting hammered off it or anything, but, uh, you know, just taking like one glass at a time, literally, right. and just like. Okay, I'm going to get used to the taste of this, mm-hmm. and then I'll graduate yeah. into something a little bit. Right, but I'll be right. able to try anything else. Right, right. Um, but do you remember what your first whiskey was? Something like that? Like, did you have oh, a, a, a thing? Like, no, did you make I, a conscious decision? I, well, to do something I mean, like I do. That? You mean in terms of what I drank first? Uh, I guess like. I mean, I think I, mean, I think I like, guess I what think, you drank first is probably yeah. going to be different than okay. I'm going to start liking whiskey like that. Conscious yeah. Decision. Well, yeah, because I, if I go way back in time. Uh, you know, I remember drinking cheap, and, and I think a lot of us, we start with the cheap stuff, which sure. is probably unfortunate. I rem- remember drinking some cheap scotch in college that was awful. Uh, it took me years before I drank scotch again, and then I learned that, okay, there are some scotches that I actually like, that I enjoy scotch whiskey. Yeah, It's not my go-to, but I enjoy it. Uh, Irish whiskeys, the Bushmills makes, a, there's, it's Bushmills 16 that I really like. That's one of my go-tos. Mm-hmm. I do prefer bourbons, though, and, and, you know, they're just a little bit sweeter. I like Definitely. them. And, um, you know, so, so we just naturally sort of started there, I think mainly because I, I enjoyed bourbons more than, more than anything else at the time. Yeah. But I also, I mean, I like cognacs. I like brandies. Uh, you know, I like, you know, gin. I mean, it, it's it's all of those things. I think the different occasion and the different food you're eating or what the social setting is can dictate, okay, what is it that I should have or try? Mm. But but certainly there's been a renaissance of bourbon whiskey here in this country. Definitely, And yeah. uh, uh, my hope is that that renaissance continues for a while. Yeah, and, you know, it was funny you started out with the Asian mar- Asian market and like the huge opportunity there because I've heard that like Japan and everything are having a huge like demand for whiskey oh, yeah, over there. Definitely, and it's even depleted some of the stock over here. Well, like you can't get some whiskeys as much as you could and have a couple years ago. That's the issue with a process that takes you know four, six, eight, ten, twelve, sixteen years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the planning process is really difficult, and trends change. Demand for whiskey will go up, but demand at some point for whiskey will go down. We'll move to something else. And, uh, you know, the good news is our technology allows us to scale up. It allows us to scale down. It allows us to move. You know, within, within a day, I can move from producing bourbons to producing rums. Mm. And, and, and essentially rums that have, and by the end of the week, I'll have rums for you that have the equivalency of, you know, a six or eight year wow. aging process if I did it traditionally. And, yeah. uh, and that's, a, that's a big difference. Yeah, the, I mean, the, it's an insane industry to try and predict 10 to 15 years from yeah. now. I mean, well, it's impo- yeah, I mean it's almost impossible, anything right? is hard. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't even predict the weather more than a week. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, so that it's very interesting what you've done. And I mean, so I know that you have patents on the process and everything, but is, it, is that the only thing stopping other people from doing what you've Well, it's it's interesting you say patents. So we do have uh, some intellectual property uh, protection that way, but I'm I'm not a real big fan of patents. Hmm. I think that in many ways patents are blueprints for somebody to copy what you're doing and make tiny little changes with it. And if they're a much larger company, uh, you know, really then it comes down to whose lawyers are better and who Hmm. can afford to have lawyers versus who who can be put out of business in the meantime. So most of our, our uh, intellectual properties uh, carefully guarded trade secrets. So you just kind of keep it close to the vest then? You Very don't, you don't let anyone know what's going no, on? No, we don't. There. Yeah. Yeah. Except- I mean, we're transparent about how the process works. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, you know, fool anybody yeah, into, yeah. gee, this is a barrel-aged product. We say what we do, and I've pre- I'm pretty open about the fact uh, that here's the process we use and what we do, but the, the details of the process uh, mm-hmm. are trade secrets. Yeah. Do you think that if you just said that you were an aged whiskey and didn't really talk about the accelerated mm-hmm. um, process, um, that people might view you guys a little bit differently. Oh, they would, but it, but it would also be dishonest. So That's we're true. not going to do that. We we right from the start we said, look, we've got a technology 
there are a lot of people who will think that technology is bad. Mm-hmm. Is that you know discussion that. Uh, 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 reviewer uh, sure. went through. I think through. I read that review. Yeah, by the yeah. Way. It's it's yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, to me, it's like great, fine. That's how a tradi- that you know, you're a dot in the wool traditionalist, and I can respect that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there are a lot of people out there, especially the younger drinkers, that say, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. You know, technology is part of the intrigue, and then the fact that we can actually use these different woods and create whiskeys that taste entirely. They're still you know, qualify as a whiskey, whether it's a bourbon or a rye or whatever we're working on, but you can give them flavors that nobody else has. Yeah. And you can do it, you know, without sugar, without syrup, without artificial flavor or color. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is out there saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna add natural black cherry flavor and create a black cherry flavored uh, bourbon. Well, number one, the term natural has such a a wide meaning to it that just because it's natural doesn't mean people are mashing up cherries and adding them in there. There's mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot to that, um, but there's a lot of sugar that goes into that. There's a lot of other things that go into it. Calories, extra calories go yeah. into it. If I can, you know, it's not the same. A black cherry wood flavor isn't the same as a black cherry fruit flavor, sure. but I can still give you that flavor experience, a range of flavor experiences, and do it without adding calories and without adding anything that is, uh, that isn't natural for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, so what would you say like so someone starting out like if they wanted to create their own like small batch whiskey mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. obviously not everyone's going to have access to the mm-hmm. technology mm-hmm. or process that you're doing right. um but would you say that it's even i mean worth trying to get into something like that or um like i know it's a very saturated mm-hmm. market right now i mean right, especially right. just the drink business in general like craft beer is blown yeah. up over yeah. the years and there's so many distilleries out there um is you're, you're we're probably seeing something the same with spirits oh right? yeah for sure um so well the big the biggest challenge is getting your product on a shelf true now you can have a small artisan local distillery mm-hmm. doing you know grain to glass and all sorts of things about it but and that's fine if you say, okay, I'm only going to sell in my town or in my expanded region. Yeah. But it is a whole different ball game if it's about, okay, now I want to get it onto shelves. Mm-hmm. And I want to get it into shelves, not just in my neighborhood, but throughout the state. And then it's a whole new ball game. And I say, okay, now how do I take it into another state? And how do we take it into another state? It's really, and there's a lot of people, it's, it's interesting, there's a lot of people who start whether it's artisan, you know, craft beer or craft spirits or craft anything, that do that because they love making the product. But a big part of this business is selling and marketing your product. And you have to recognize that and and build that right in. And whether you have a partner or that's part of you or whatever, if you're not willing to do that, and a lot of people say, well, gee, I I don't want to sell anything. I'm just going to make a great product and people are going to come and buy it. That's not going to happen. You're selling it into the bars and restaurants. You're selling it into the retail stores. You're selling it into state systems and control states. And then you have to get, you have to do enough marketing so that consumers, when they come into those stores, they see your product, they say, oh yes, that's something I want to try or something I want to buy again. Yeah. And you know, we've worked very hard. We've got distribution in 16 states now. Um, you know, we've been selling in about five countries. I mean, we're and and it's a lot of it yeah, is making a good product, yeah. but then also selling and marketing it effectively. And I think uh, you have to recognize that there's two components to this business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, the consumer goods company I worked at, we were in you know the big box retailers all over mm-hmm. the nation, but. Um, I mean, I don't think people understand how hard it is to sell mm. onto a shelf. And right. they don't think that about the limited shelf space that there exactly. is. And it, you're basic, because, it's like Manhattan real estate, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah. There's only a limited amount of real estate right, that you right. can 
have. Yeah. And people are competing for it aggressively. And, and, and it means that somebody has to make a choice. You have to convince somebody to say, you know what, I want you to put my product on the shelf. But remember, the decision they're making is not just to put your product on the shelf. It's what other product they're going to take off the shelf mm -hmm. to give you room. Now, in some categories, e-commerce has helped that. It sort of opens it up and creates Definitely. at least virtually unlimited shelf space. But in spirits, the laws are so convoluted and so complex. For instance, here in the state of Ohio, we're not allowed to ship directly from our distillery to any individual consumer. Yeah. And uh, because of that, we don't have an e-commerce business. Uh, and, uh, and in other states, they'll pop up and then they'll get shut down by the state because it's, gee, this doesn't fit within the regulations or there's only certain states you can ship to. So really what you're doing is trying to get it into a traditional distribution system and that can be difficult. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of crazy that you can't buy alcohol online anymore. I mean, yeah. I, th I th do you think that's the way it's going to head eventually? or No, I think I eventually mean, we'll be able to buy just about everything online. And yeah. I know there's a case going to the Supreme Court even relative more about wine and a little mm. bit of spirits. I think ultimately it will change. But rules like that change slowly. So mm. it may be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years True. before any of that happens. And who knows? You know, there yeah. may be a totally new, you know, maybe we'll be using replicators <laughs> and just simply speaking to something and saying, make, give me a shot of this. Yeah, find so a way knows? to like yeah. 3D print whiskey yeah, at your yeah. house who or knows? whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of going back to the technology thing, though, and how it's like just such a, I mean, obviously it's a growing industry. We're recording a podcast right mm -hmm. now instead of right. a traditional radio sure, station. Sure. But, uh I watched this weekend, there was this big video game tournament, mm -hmm. and the winners brought home $400,000 mm -hmm. at least. Right, like, right. And, you know, the classic thing growing up was, oh, stop playing video games right. and get outside. Right. This is a legitimate way people are making money now. Sure, like, That's a sure. lot of money. That right. one tournament right. It's a won. professional sport. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, that one tournament. Fantasy baseball. I mean, you think about that, and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the technology is changing everything. Like, just opening new jobs and everything too so um i don't know for people to resist the industry changing or a new technology mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. introduced don't you think they should be a little bit more curious than apprehensive I, about I, it? I think or? if you look back historically every time you've introduced new technology whether it was airplanes you know i mean people were flying across oceans but a lot yeah. of people said no i'm never getting into something that can't get off the ground you know uh, introduction of microwave ovens mm -hmm. you know personal computers i mean all when there is change, there is uh, uh, nervousness, there is apprehension, there is anxiety. Yeah. It says, okay, do how do I use this? How do I train with this? And, and I'm, I mean, I'm a big advocate of technology, but I look at my iPhone and say, you know, 90% of that, I still don't know how to use. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm still using it in mostly as like, the older generations of the phones. I make calls, yeah. I do a little bit of FaceTime. Uh, you know, it's, it's um, and, and, I, and I know it's got so much more power, so I haven't fully adopted it. Sometimes it's simply you just don't have the time to keep up with all those things. Definitely. Yeah. So, so I understand the apprehension, I understand the anxiety. One of the things we do uh, constantly is just get people to try our product. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, then, which helps people through the anxiety. They say, well, I've heard this, or I understand you guys make it in a different way. That makes them a little more nervous about trying it. So I, I, we, we do charity events all the time. We do tastings in stores at special events. We do open houses here at the distillery constantly uh, just to get people to try it. And then if they yeah. try it, that reduces their anxiety. That reduces the apprehension and says, okay, I'm willing to now buy a bottle. Yeah, so... Are you, would you say you're trying to curb consumer opinions about the process or the industry opinions about the process? Then? Uh, I'm not trying to curb anything. I'm just trying to well, say, let, let more, people. I meant yeah, more I, like adaptable yeah, to I, like I, how you're doing I think things, it's. I, I think it's consumers one by one. Hmm. You know, they make their choices. And yeah. it's not necessarily the experts who, uh, you know, influence that. I mean, there's. You know, there's a core, there's a diehard group that's never going to change. True. You know, yeah. sort of like when uh, the automobile was being introduced. I mean, I remember reading this old, it was on like microfish of all things. Uh, 
But I remember reading this old article, I think in like one of the older Boston newspapers, and it was, uh, I don't know, you know, 100 years old or whatever it was, and it was, there was an editorial about somebody who was talking about the rise of automobiles, and they were bemoaning the fact that internal combustion engines were being allowed into the city. Mm-hmm. And they said that the only appropriate way to go from point A to point B faster was to focus on breeding faster horses. That was the solution. That's what they wanted society to do. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you look back at it and you say, well, gee, that was that's sort of crazy. Yeah. But at the time, there were segments of the population that thought about. Remember microwave ovens, when they came out, people were scared of them. Yeah. about the leaking of the radiation. I mean, who knows, 20 years from now, we yeah, may find true. out that that was legitimate. But true. but they were scared of that. People were scared of going onto airplanes. And people are, they're, you know, apprehensive about a lot of things. Yeah, um, I mean, wait till we find out what cell phone batteries have been doing to us yeah, the whole time, right? right? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, so before you started Cleveland Whiskey, what were you, what were you doing exactly? Uh, well, so I've had a series of companies. Yeah. Uh, I, I ran a, uh, a fairly significant marketing consulting group mm-hmm. out of uh, Connecticut and Boston. And, um, you know, I, I actually I got close to starting. I, I had most of the funding for it, and then we had some changes. I had something called Bulldozer Camp. Yeah. Uh, it was the quintessential blue-collar experience. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, blue-collar experience for white-collar professionals uh, with bulldozer cr- crushing cars and things like that. And mm-hmm. since that, that was a while ago, since that, a couple of sort of versions of that have popped up around the country. Hmm. Um, you know, I had a software company that really focused on applications for broadcasters, and we wound up principally focused on public broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, National Public Radio ultimately bought that out. Uh, so I've, I've done a series of things. I spent six years in the Navy along the way, yeah. and uh, a lot of a lot of different things. So has your career just kind of been starting something, and then eventually just moving on to the next thing after that's um, kind of run its course? Yeah, or? I sort of yeah. you know when I. When, I spent six years in the Navy, and I, I think towards the end of my enlistment, I said, I'm never going to do anything longer than six years again. Now, the good news is sometimes I've been at a place where my job constantly changes. Sure. So here at, at Cleveland Whiskey, for instance, it's like, okay, this is just my job is constantly changing. The company is constantly changing. And um, so I've been doing this for a little longer than six years now, and I don't anticipate it falling off. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh yeah, I, I like starting things, uh, and then I like hiring a good team that mm-hmm. continue it and move it forward and grow it or, or do whatever it takes. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, if I was going to say I was good at anything, I think starting things is, yeah. is my focus and then pulling a team together that can then run it and grow it. Yeah, definitely. That's, I, I mean, a telltale sign of a serial art entrepreneur, yeah, yeah. right? It's yeah. okay. I know how to get it started. I know how to grow it quickly. Yeah. And then what's the next thing I can start? Well, and then right? there's ten, and there's ten more things I still I want to do. Oh, for you sure. Know, it's like so you always are thinking about these yeah. other things. But, but I got to tell you, this, this, uh, the whiskey business is great because it's not just the whiskey business. We're, mm-hmm. I mean, we're developing products in the whiskey space, but we will ultimately release some gins and some rums mm-hmm. and some bijou, some, I mean, some, some interesting things, and we'll yeah. do them all differently. There are thousands of different woods out there across the world that I want to, ex- and we've experimented with a lot of them, yeah. but we've experimented with maybe 100 so far against thousands of species out there that we can try. I think. That's something that's totally unexplored. Definitely. And getting flavors from from the wood structures, you know, we've experienced the nuts and the fruits and, and all the other things. This is a, something that we are doing different that nobody else is doing, and I, I love doing that. Yeah, so, I mean, you kind of have different things to start within the whiskey yes. industry then. So well, you're, just, you're feeding that ch- yeah. need, well, right? And recently we started uh, something called Smoker Bricks, which yeah. is the wood. We, we take the wood that we use to make our whiskey that is infused with bourbon, and we package it. We package it wet, and uh, we sell it into this sort of barbecue and smoker market. Mm-hmm. We just started doing that this year. Uh, and it is—it's uh, a great product. When you open up the package, you can just smell oh, the bourbon in there. You can, and then when you throw it on some hot charcoals or put it in a smoker box and a gas grill or whatever, you get this beautiful, clean white smoke. And again, talking about—you know—I was talking about dimensions of whiskey. 
these are different dimensions of smoke because you get the bourbon flavor and then you get the wood flavor and that uh, that adds into the flavors you're getting then in whatever you're cooking, whether it's a roast or a steak or a turkey or whatever it is, you get some really interesting flavors that way as well. Yeah, I mean, they smelled great when you showed me downstairs when we yeah. were taking a quick tour, but um, I mean, I definitely want to try those yeah. for whenever oh, I they're, grill they're, out the next they're time. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that like the only thing you cook with now? Every time you're heating up the grill, you throw one of those. Pretty much. On there? I'm a big yeah. I'm a big advocate of either wood fired or uh, charcoal fired yeah. uh, grill. So, uh, they work fine on gas grills, but um, but I tend to work around fire, mm -hmm. and so uh, yeah, I add those. And plus, a lot of our sort of experimental woods, I get to try them as well. I I tried some plum wood recently, and it was pretty amazing. And yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's that's it's a lot cool. of fun. Yeah, I mean, so that. Getting that onto sh retail shelves is probably just as hard as getting. Well, is it harder or easier than getting whiskey? Because it's, it's a little totally, bit of a different product. Yeah, it's totally like, different. Yeah. So um, there are a whole series of regulations associated with whiskey or with spirits. Mm -hmm. uh, there are fewer associated with this product, mm -hmm. but there are still regulations. There are still rules, and you still need to sell it in. Yeah. Um, are, are there any like real big competitors in that uh, like smoker blocks well, space? Well, we're mean, the only ones doing wet uh, uh, wood, and mm -hmm. that's I think the differentiator for it. It's okay. it's wet. It's infused. I mean, when it's done with our process, you've got whiskey all the way down to the core of those blocks or bricks, as we call them. Mm -hmm. um, there are certainly other. You know, Jack Daniels has their mm -hmm. brand, where essentially they just chip up old barrels. Now they're mm -hmm. dry. There might be a little bit of residual flavor, but most of what you're getting is simply the oak from the barrels. Yeah, and um, keeping them wet just adds more flavor. Yeah, you can't, and they the, don't do it wet at mm -hmm. all. So we package them very differently, and we keep them wet. And that's what. So when you get them, you've got the flavor from the bourbon. Yeah. And even though you can buy a package of uh, Jack Daniels, uh, you know, oak chips essentially, it's not the same as if you get an oak smoker bricks because it's it's got that bourbon in it yeah definitely so i don't know that's so that also is adding a level you where you can compete in the e-commerce space as well too. yes is that another yes. reason that you kind of approach that or um well no but just, i like you, i like the idea that yeah. i'd be able to add e-commerce but in the meantime uh you know we just got approved by the uh, uh ace hardware system which has 4500 nice you know, retailers around the country and uh, we're selling, we're just starting to sell into that system. But that's, you know, that in itself is a game changer for us because the volume that we would need to support those stores is, you know, it's significant. So we've been gearing up for it. We've been adding people, adding new, new machines. Uh, and it will change probably ultimately how we produce our whiskey and, and, uh, what we do because we've got to produce a lot more whiskey in order yeah. to have the wood now for this as this yeah, as well. You can't just yeah. chop up old barrels, right? Right. right. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, well, I want them wet. Gotta That's keep the them key. wet. Yeah. Gotta keep it wet. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we're approaching about an hour of time, so yeah. um, I know you're busy. I'll get you yeah. out of here. Yeah. Um, do you have anything you want to promote or? I I, I think it? probably I've promoted everything <laughs> everything we do yeah. uh, through this. I I didn't realize we'd gone through an hour. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. It's my it. pleasure. And find anything you want on clevelandwhiskey.com, right? Clevelandwhiskey.com <laughs> or smokerbricks.com. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. All right, thank you.